everyone. It's Beth and Jeff McCord, and this is Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, as you can imagine, we often get questions about the Enneagram. It's really fun and inspiring for us to hear how all of you are applying the principles of the Enneagram. So we thought that we would jump on here and have some fun and do a few episodes answering your questions. So let's dive in and start with Sarah's question. Well, this was a big one uh, to start (laughs) off with on questions, but uh, you know what? Because of our current situation, it's totally understandable. But Sarah has this question. Uh, How do narcissistic personality traits relate to the Enneagram? Can they be present in every type? It's a great question. Here we go. It's a heavy one. (laughs) Buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. (laughs) Well, we are happy to offer our thoughts, um, Sarah, but uh, we'd also encourage you to go and read Dr. Chuck DeGroat's book, When Narcissism Comes to Church. After an extensive time of research and actually um, counseling pastors who have uh, a variety of different Enneagram types um, who have uh, exhibited these traits, uh, he's put that all together in a book and it is a phenomenal resource. So I'd encourage you to go take a look. Well, Sarah, you're right in the sense that there's no one type that is more or less tempted or um, can display narcissistic personality traits. Now, one thing that I do want to qualify is, is that there we're differentiating as well as uh, Dr. DeGroat does between narcissism and narcissistic traits. There are some traits that we may display, but may not be clinically diagnosed as narcissism technically. But each type in their own way can exhibit some of these behaviors when they are unhealthy. Yeah. And, you know, we really do want to be careful with throwing that word around. I think, you know, in our day, it can it can just be kind of thrown around, you know, and just, you know, people can label others in that way. So we want to be very careful. At the same time, I think what you're really kind of getting to is, can every type be very self-absorbed, self-consumed, and wanting others to meet their needs in a very specific way? And the answer is yes, all nine types, but they're going to do it in different ways. And some are going to feel more um, overt, or you can just see it right there in front of you, whereas others are a little bit more covert, or it kind of goes in the back door. And so you may not see it or name it in the same way. Well, Sarah, I hope that helps answer your question. And we strongly encourage you to go take a look at uh, Dr. DeGroat's book, When Narcissism Comes to Church. All right. So next question up is Karen. Karen asked, with your test, I came out as a two, but in the past, I've always felt that I was a six with a strong five wing or vice versa, a five with a strong six wing. How can it be that I now appear as a two? Well, that's a great question. And well, here's the thing. Our Enneagram test and several other Enneagram tests out there are great. Now, there's some that aren't, but there are some really great Enneagram tests out there. And just think of them as guiding you towards a main type, but it's not definitive. So what you're wanting to do is to verify your main type by looking at the core motivations of all nine types and finding the one that is truly your core motivations. Now, we do use all nine types to varying degrees, especially our wings and the numbers that we're connected to with the lines. Those will pop up quite a bit. But 
as you were saying right here, there's a two, five, and six, and there's no connection there. But there are a lot of similarities for the twos and the six. Both are very connecting people. They can be warm. They can be responsible and wanting to support others. But we want to get behind the what and look at the why. So I encourage you to go to our website, yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations. And there we have a free PDF download with all nine core motivations. So just take a look at that and really sit with, hmm, why do I do what I do? Especially it's, it's a little bit more easier when you think of this when you're activated. So let's say someone upset you in some way, look at the core motivations and go, huh, why did I get activated? What's really going on all the way down to the core? Not the surface stuff, all the way to the core. Now, if you're still stuck, we have a free mistyping guide at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mistypes. And our producer will put all of these in the show notes so you can easily access them there. Matthew, a question comes to mind and follow up on this. So what might be the difference? So there are some sixes that are very helpful to other people. Mm -hmm. uh, sixes who will sure. insert their presence into mm -hmm. people's lives. And what's the difference between why a two does that versus a six? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. So the twos are being helpful because they're looking for others to show that they are a grateful and appreciative of what the two is doing because that represents to the, in the two's mind that they are loved. So for the two, they feel like it's a give to get system. I must do and give in some form or fashion in order to get love and appreciation. Now the six is doing it from a very different perspective. And I'd love for you to chime in since you're a six, but the six is really coming from a mindset of loyalty, commitment, hard work, family, duty. That's really where it's uh, coming from. Am I right? It, yes, I, I'm, I'm I heard kind you of laugh. Starting, starting to giggle a little bit. Um, and so there, this is what we've been experiencing here recently in some of our spin outs. What? We don't spin out. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, we, we're great because we know our Enneagram types. <laughs> it's called real life, people. <laughs> That's right. Real life. Okay, yes. So keep going. Well, so sometimes uh, whenever we're in content creation mode or coming up with some new concepts, um, we have some dancing that we do. Mm -hmm. um, so Beth will put something together with Enneagram and then she'll want my input both from pastoral counseling and a theological perspective. Well, all of a sudden, so she'll ask the question. Hey, can you take a look at this with me? And, and can with, I get your the, feedback? <laughs> can you take a look and get feedback? Yeah. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I want to help my wife. I want to be loyal to her. And so whatever I see and whatever impressions or thoughts that I may have, I want to share them with her because she asked for my feedback. And authenticity is a big deal for That's us. That's right. To not share with her, hey, this the way this is phrased probably isn't theologically accurate. We don't want to take it too far. And, and so, but how does it land on you? Um, like a ton of bricks. <laughs> Like it crushes my heart. It crushes her heart. Because <laughs> so, I think I'm asking what I want or need because I'm asking it from the nine mind. Like, because the nine, when if you were to ask me for the same thing, I would first look at everything and affirm the effort and the good things that you've done. And then, maybe then, 
I will offer like feedback, like, Hey, I see that this needs to be fixed or that, but it's always like, there's, there's like soft mittens with a nine and how I do it. So I'm thinking, I'm asking, Hey, can you give me feedback with soft mittens? (laughs) So understand, you know, the, the point of sharing this is not necessarily to air our, uh, our, our dancing. (laughs) I was was about to say dirty dancing. (laughs) I was combining Dirty laundry <laughs> with dancing. Well, so, there's there, another one. There you go. That's your little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the McCord family. Uh, welcome. That's that's awesome. But note why I try to insert myself or uh, try to help Beth mm-hmm. is that it can look very two-ish, but I'm doing it out of loyalty and wanting to be authentic and have integrity. I'm not doing it to prove my worth. I'm not doing it because I think I'm right. I'm not doing it because I don't want to make mistakes or whatever other Enneagram type. I'm specifically doing it out of loyalty. And so hopefully that's helped you to differentiate between the two and the six. It really does lie with why you do what you do, not necessarily what you do. Yeah, great. Great. So this next question is from Ginger. She says, I have the most rigid personality profile ever. An ISTJ and an Enneagram one. And my top five strengths are discipline, harmony, consistency, responsibility, and maximizer. And if it weren't for harmony, everyone I know would probably kill me. My sisters think I'm on the autistic scale. I try very hard not to subject everyone I know to my very systematic way of thinking and doing things, although no one is arguing that I don't get things done. How do I make them see that I'm a softy on the inside. I think those who really know me realize this, but those who don't, they want to strangle me. You know, it, it's interesting to hear the statement from a type one, because in coaching, Bethy, you mm-hmm. often share that ones often come with a particular phrase. Yeah. You know, most ones will come to me and say, Beth, you know, I, I need you to know that I'm a one, but I need you to know that I'm a very unhealthy one. And I'm like, yes, of course you think that because the inner critic is constantly telling you that. So it makes sense that that is the lens through which you uh, see yourself and maybe even the reaction of others. Now, that doesn't mean that there are things to be mindful of and to pay attention to what others are saying. And that's what I love about this, Ginger, is your vulnerability and your honesty in asking this question that can... uh, really benefit you as you help to benefit your relationships? So here are a couple of things, Ginger, that come to mind for me. Uh, number one, um, how does this, all of this matrix of different personality inventories that you've taken, that style of relating as a one, how does it work for you? How does it work for you to be so systemic? How does it work for you to make sure that you are disciplined and consistent, taking responsibility? Because in some way, those are serving a self-protective way that's keeping people from seeing how vulnerable or tender you are on the inside. At the same time, those very things are the amazing qualities that bless others. And so there's this both, this, these two sides. Well, if you look at it from a developmental perspective, 
uh, I can remember in my training with Dan Allender, we did um, strength finders, and he was reflecting and helping us to see that the very strengths that we're seeing in strength finders were the very gifts that we use to cope with living in dysfunctional or broken families. And so in some way, uh, this for any type one who is disciplined and consistent and responsible, a lot of that is a self-protective way to make your way through a fallen world. Now, whenever that be- rather than that becoming defensive in nature, when it actually becomes a gift is whenever we don't insert our this relational style into the lives of others where it becomes oppressive, but we invite. That's the beauty of a one, because a one doesn't have to insert and reform everything, but rather a one can invite like a wise sage or a mentor. They can draw people out and share wisdom for those who want it versus trying to prove um, that they're right. Well, and I would encourage uh, Ginger for you, and this is what you know we try to do, be mindful of, is to be open and honest in the moment if you're struggling or if you feel that maybe the way you're coming across might be too systematic or too logical for the person in front of you and not to necessarily apologize for it, to say, hey, you know, I really want to show a softer side, but what we're talking about right now is very logical and very systematic. And that's something I'm one, really good at, but I know it can land on people a certain way. So, just let me know if I need to adjust because my heart is really for you and is wanting to bring the best of who I am to the situation. So, and that takes vulnerability to say that. It takes courage. But for Jeff and I, we've seen that when we have done clarifying statements, it really helps people to hear where our heart is coming from first so that everything that comes after hopefully will land a little bit more gently to the next person. All right. So we've got a question from Kelly and she says, is there any research that shows job preferences across the Enneagram grid? For instance, I'm a six with a seven wing and I was a teacher and then a principal. My husband is a nine with an eight wing and works in human resources. Are there cluster of numbers that fall into, let's say, a policeman, a fireman or civil service categories? Well, you know, Kelly, I think that's a great question. The one thing about the Enneagram is there's just not been a lot of research done. But what we will say is that all Enneagram types can have any job. And they can excel at any job and they can also struggle at any job. Now, are there some types that might really do well for very specific reasons in a particular category than maybe some others? I I think so. Um, But that doesn't mean the other types are... Um, going to be weaker or not as good. But for instance, if you need someone to file a lot of information inside their brain and co- bring it out whenever they want, that's just what fives do. But all nine types can learn. All nine types can love data and love to read. Again, remember, it's all about the why. And it makes me think, um, so we now live in a neighborhood where uh, one of the few type five pastors, lead pastors Mm -hmm. that we know, you would think, how in the world would that ever work Mm -hmm. Uh, based on the stereotype of a five? He is very engaging. He is very thoughtful and he is very (laughs) (laughs) five-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, 
the question is not based upon my type, what job would I best fit in? The question is, how can I be who I am mm-hmm. and do this job to meet the organization's goal? Because we're all going to come about it in different ways uh, for different reasons. Yeah. And so when you're looking at a job and a career, you feel a passion, a calling to move in that direction. What I think is going to be great is to look at the strengths and weaknesses, you know, of your type. And you can also, you know, you can take other assessments like strength finders and DISC and all those other ones that also point out different strengths and liabilities. But same with the Enneagram. So let's say you want to be a pastor and you're a type five. Okay. So what are the strengths and what are some of the liabilities? What are the things that I need to understand about myself to protect myself or to have good self-care so that I can then care for people well? Well, thanks for joining us today as we've jumped in to answer a few questions from our listeners. If you have any additional questions you'd like for us to answer on the podcast, go ahead and email us at info at com. There's a link in the show notes where you can send us send those questions to us. And as always, remember, the Enneagram reveals our need for Jesus, not our need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. 